This morning, we are delighted to invite uh, Luke Vanderkam to come back. Uh, he has been with us many times. He's a pastor at St. Andrews in Trenton. And he and our pastor, Pastor Alex, a couple times a year do a pulpit exchange. So Pastor Luke has family here in Guelph, and Pastor Alex's parents are in Trenton. So we are delighted to welcome you back, uh, Pastor Luke, a familiar face to us, and are grateful to have you here with us this morning. Love to pray for you as you uh, as you come forward. God, we give you thanks for Pastor Luke and for his ministry in St. Andrews in Trenton. God, we want to pray your blessing on that congregation and pray that your presence would be among them as you are with us this morning. We thank you for Pastor Luke and for the words and meditations of his heart. May they be pleasing to you. And would you help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear the word that you have for us this morning. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We got her now? Now we got her. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's great to be here again and uh, go through this uh, exchange. It's a blessing for both of our families to be able to do this at uh, special times of the year. It seems very appropriate to do it on Family Day weekend. Um, last time I was here, I mentioned that our church is going through some significant changes and so forth, and that uh, on December 15th, we voted to start the process of turning our building into affordable housing. And so I just want to give you a quick update on that because this Tuesday the plan is going to Presbytery. And, uh, of course, you know that properties are owned by the denomination. And so in order to do something like this, we have to go to the Presbytery and ask permission. And so I relish your prayers that um, this will be something that is supported by the Presbytery and we can uh, start the process of engineers and architects and all that fun and uh, great stuff. So we're looking forward to that. So that's just a quick update from my own uh, church family. So this is uh, Family Day weekend, and I thought, why not provide a message about family? But that's a bit of a challenging topic because, as you all know, family can be both a tremendous blessing (laughs) And from all your giggles, I can tell that, yes, it's also a a tremendous challenge in our lives. And so what I want to do for you today is provide a survey of Scripture to kind of get an idea of what does the Bible say about family, uh, both its dysfunctional nature, but also its functional nature, what it's supposed to do. Because, of course, we all know that um, you know, we miss the mark. But what I hope to provide by the end of today is at least the right target. This is what we should be aiming for when it comes to family and, and family life. Um, and so let's dive in and look at what is biblical family values. And the anchor text for today is actually Mark 10, verses 28 to uh, 30. And it says, then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Now, I'm not sure if he's trying to brag here or what he is. He's just being Peter, which, like those family members, they're just them. (laughs) And then Jesus responds. He says, truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, 
homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So here we see in this passage Jesus describing, you know, the fact that uh, this call that we have on each of us to be the church, to be the body of Christ, to follow in Christ's footsteps may involve indeed leaving your family. And so you may ask, well, what kind of family value is that? You know, it seems to contradict maybe some of the family values that we see in our society, but I'll explain further on that as we go. <clears throat> but he's also pointing to something, a direction that I'll be going as well, that there's this new family. And this new family is really the title of the message is the best family ever. And that's what Jesus is describing. And this best family ever has this trajectory towards eternal, to the eternal, to heaven, to the glory that awaits us. <clears throat> But of course, as we get into scripture, um, it can be hard to know what uh, family values really means. And and let's get some to some of those passages that are particularly difficult. You wonder, what is Jesus talking about here? In Matthew 10, verses 34 to 39, it says this. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. Oh, dear. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What seems very clear from this passage is that the idea of biblical family values may be different than what we initially think about family values. Usually what we think about in family values is, um, you know, the mother and the father and the two and what are we at? 2.4 kids or whatever it is. Um, The perfect family where everybody um, is just getting along. But we know, we know from our experience that that isn't often what family is. Family is often uh, broken, and as Jesus said, sometimes there is they are acting more like enemies than as family. That's the reality of the world we live in, and Jesus says that's going to happen, and it's going to happen maybe even more so because you're following me, because if a family member rejects Christ, there is that added tension in the family dynamics. <clears throat> And so here we see Jesus describing family values in a way that you're like, well, is this biblical family values? And, and this struggle to find what, what family values are in Scripture is, is one that happens throughout Scripture because you look at the stories in Scripture and the families that we see in Scripture and you think, what? You know, it, it's, there, there's not many models to follow as we read through Scriptures. Just think at... Um, the first family. I mean, it started right at the beginning. The first family, Adam and Eve and their sons. Uh, you know, Cain kills Abel. You thought your family troubles were difficult. You know, the, the first family experienced the worst of the worst. And then it doesn't get any better because then we have Jacob and Esau and um, how their parents played favorites and then one steals the birthright of another and they don't like their birthright and there's fleeing involved. 
So there's tremendous brokenness in that family. And then Joseph, look at the story of Joseph. <clears throat> you thought your siblings didn't like you. Um, try being sold into slavery. I mean, that's the extreme. And, and so there's tremendous dysfunction in that family that would lead to something like that happening. And so we see this throughout Scripture. It's really actually hard to find a, you know, what we would call a solid family in Scripture. And, and quite frankly, that kind of gives us hope. Because if you look at the dysfunction in these families, and then you see what God was able to do even through that dysfunction, it's like, oh, okay, God can even use this dysfunction that's in my family and use it for amazing things. I mean, look at the story of Joseph again. Through that, he, he, you know, through that hardship, that brokenness in that family, all of Israel was saved from the famine. And so God can do that same thing in our families. So let's look at what scripture says about family and how we can then position ourselves to be used of God as much as possible, even in our brokenness. Okay, let's start to find out where that target is so that God can use us in our families. And again, we'll begin right at the beginning. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Here's the first family. And we see here that family is supposed to be a place of intimacy. You know, it's, it's a place where you separate from that which, which was, and you cling to that which is, and you become one flesh. That's a tremendous uh, word of intimacy between husband and wife. And that is the core of family, this intimacy. It looks different for each relationship. But the core of what it means to be family is to be in this intimate relationship. And so that's one thing that we are aiming for in family. <clears throat> And then Exodus 20, verse 12, and this is uh, one of the commandments, and it has a promise. It says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So there's a promise connected to this. If you honor your father and mother, if that's the dynamic within your family, you will be given prosperity, blessing in this life. Now, notice when it says, honor your father and mother, notice what it doesn't say. Because this is important when you're thinking about, okay, so all of us have, have parents. And, and, and that question often comes up is, you know, how do I honor my father or my mother? How, how do I do that? But the passage doesn't say, obey your father and mother. Notice that. Because throughout your life, you know, how you obey your parents is going to change. So that command is not to obey your parents, because as you grow older, sometimes maybe you shouldn't obey them, certainly if they're not following the Lord and directing you in other ways. It also, interestingly enough, doesn't say love your father and your mother. What it says is honor them. And that's something that you can do to your, for your parents, whether they are alive whether they are good parents or bad parents. 
it's always possible to honor your father and mother and work that out. And that's important because it doesn't matter the situation, you can still receive the blessing that is being part of a family. And so when we're thinking about family, we need to think about, okay, what is the foundation of the family? And Joshua 24:15 really uh, spells it out for us. And it says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every family has to choose their direction their compass, what is going to decide where they are going to go. And if we don't make that choice ourselves, if we don't choose, it will be chosen for us. And so as you're thinking about your own family, think about, okay, what have we chosen as the foundation, the solid rock of this family? What is, what is the compass, the center of our family, and where is that taking us? And Psalm 127 really follows right on this when it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Family is supposed to be something that's built by God. And what that, what that word means is that family is all about surrendering. Surrendering our plans, our purposes, our goals, our wants. Surrendering our plans for our children. Children surrendering their plans for their parents. Surrendering control, because a family needs to be built by God. The question as a family that we need to always ask is, Lord, what do you want for us? What do you want for this child? What do you want for this parent? What, Lord, do you want for them? Has to be the fundamental question. And speaking of uh, children and so forth, Psalm 127 continues by saying, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Children are always a blessing from God in the context of family. They're not a, a means of fulfillment. They're not a liability. You know, sometimes uh, I, I read articles about family and so forth, and, and one of the things that's often discussed is um, the cost of raising a child and, and so forth. And, and that's seeing children kind of as a liability rather than as an asset. Scripture always tells us that every child is a blessing. And, of course, that also means that children are not, um, you know, once they are conceived, are no longer a choice. Upon conception, they are a blessing that we need to cherish and develop. Children, um, for those of you who have children, you also know that um, children are a means of spiritual growth. (laughs) And you all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) If you want to know what your faults are, have children. Because they'll just mirror them. (laughs) Like, that is so annoying. And then your spouse says, yes. And guess where they got it from, (laughs) right? And so they are definitely a means of of spiritual growth. And that's one of the reasons, many reasons, why they are a tremendous blessing, because uh, they have the ability to grow us as individuals. And that's what it means to be family. 
And then <clears throat> scripture also gets very practical about, okay, how are we supposed to treat our biological families? And 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Like, wow. Like, that, that's really practical. You know, we're, you know, as biological families, we are called to provide for one another. And so if we're not doing that, it, it says we're not living out the faith that we believe. What this passage also reminds us of is the fact that earthly families matter. Biological families matter. You know, in a moment, I'll be talking about the church family. And that's important, very important. But so is biological family. Family matters. And so God thinks highly of our families. And so we need to as well. And we need to work to honor that as best we can. And one of the ways he says here is clearly providing for them if there is a need. And you have the capacity to provide for that need. Then we need to be willing to do that. And so family is a God-given means of grace and support. God provided us with this, this structure that can be so infuriating at times, but he provided this structure for our good. It is a means of grace. And within that brokenness, within that heartache sometimes, we need to figure out by God's grace how we're going to work with that and see God's grace at work in it. So here we see that God has certainly provided some some guidelines on what it means to be a family. We have a, a few things to aim at. But that is not really the, the a complete extent of what it means to be family here on earth. Yes, we have these biological families where we have our biological parents. But there is something even greater that God has provided for us. And of course, that's church family, our extended family. And so what does Jesus say about this? He says in Matthew 12, 49 to 50, he says, and stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So with the coming of Jesus Christ, we see Jesus Christ opening up his arms and extending to his people this new family union, unit, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have this new family. And that's one of the beautiful things that we experience uh, when baptism happens. Because, yeah, that whether it's an infant or an adult, that person is part of a biological family. But baptism signifies, celebrates the fact that now they are part of this new family. They are now brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a, a, a beautiful and a wonderful thing to celebrate. Now, it sounds from this passage from Matthew that, um, that being part of this family is just a works thing. But it's not, of course. You know, it is fundamentally a grace thing. And Ephesians 2.19 really emphasizes and points that out to us. It says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's often how the church family is described, as a household of God. 
And the so then in that passage is a reference to what came before that. And all of that is the foundation of what Jesus Christ has done. Why are you now part of this household of God? Because of what Christ has done. John 1 verse 12 to 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so you are part of the family of God, the household of God, because of God's choice, because of God's grace. It is a free gift that is offered to you, and you are part of of this family. And what it means to be part of this family, it means that you are now part of what's called the kingdom of God. And I'm sure you're familiar with that that term. And so all of history is moving forward towards this kingdom of God that will come into completion with the return of Jesus Christ. And you are all now part of this family that will make up the people who are part of this kingdom of God. And the way that that happened was not because of who you are. It's not because of where you were born. It's not because of what you have accomplished. It's not because you met some mark. It is all because of Jesus Christ. It's all because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Because on your own, you are dead in your sins and trespasses. And if you need proof of that, look at families and how dysfunctional they are. And guess what? You're part of it. You know, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. But Jesus Christ came and gave you life and gave you new life to live in this new family called the household of God. It is a precious gift. Everyone around you right now is a precious gift whom you will spend eternity with. If you really think about that, think about the fact that the people who are in this room right now, you will spend forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever with. Now you may be thinking, "Hmm." (laughs) it's okay, everyone will be perfected, so (laughs) we'll be the perfect us's, so it'll be awesome. But just keep that in mind, that the people around you, you're going to be spending forever with. This is your family, your forever family, the best family ever. And we need to rejoice in that and relish that and cherish that and honor that. And so then knowing that, that this is your eternal family, what does it look like then to live as that family right here, right now in this time? Well, Romans 12, 10 to 13 tells us, gives us a glimpse into that. It says, Love one another with brotherly affection. It couldn't be more explicit than that. What it means is that all of you right here, right now, should be loving each other with that same familial affection that you have for your mother, your brothers, your sisters, you know, the good ones, not the bad ones. You know, you should have that same kind of love and affection for them, for, for, for the people here as you have for them. So there needs to be that that brotherly affection. And then it says, outdo one another in showing honor. It's kind of hinting back to honor your father and mother. That that same principle should be happening within the family, the church. There should be this honoring of one another. This this deep respect and, 
and abiding love that's there. And then it goes on to describe a few things. It says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Now, it, this seems to be more things that are about us, right? Like the, These are things that we should do that kind of benefit us. That's what it feels like. But if you really think about it, all of these things, you know, being... Um, do not be slothful in zeal, being, being very zealous for the Lord. While it seems like a personal thing, it is actually something that benefits everyone. Because, as you know, a, a rotten apple in the bushels can spoil the whole, the whole bunch. Well, the same is true. If, if, we, if we are lazy in our zeal for the Lord, if, if you know if we're not fervent in spirit, if we're not developing our spirit, if we're not discipling ourselves with others, that has an impact on the family. It has a detrimental impact on the family. And so here we're being encouraged. Build yourself up because it benefits everyone. And you know that's true. You know that's true. You know the kind of impact it has when when there's... You know, someone in your midst who, you know, is the half-empty person, you know. You know I'm, I'm, I tend to be that person as well, so it's, you know. And so we, we, we need to, to, to develop ourselves for the benefit of the others. That's what it means to be family, part of the church. And then it gets very practical. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints. So just as we are to take care of you know, our biological family, we are told to take care of one another and show hospitality. What does that mean? That means our door should always be open. You know, if, if, if someone needs a place to crash, our door should be open. If someone needs uh, an ear, our lives should be open to that. And that's a bit of a struggle because now we're kind of uh, butting heads with our biological family and our, our church family. Don't, I, I know there's that tension because we tend to protect our biological family and, and put a shield around it. And, and we sometimes wonder, how are we going to you know, include this larger family? But I think we, you know, in that context, we need to remember that you know, there are people within our larger family who are alone who are suffering, who are going through difficulties, who, who don't have that biological family, either because they have passed away or because their biological families are not healthy. And so Scripture reminds us we need to show hospitality. We need to have open doors for our larger family. In Galatians 6.10 builds on that. It says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Okay, so we're supposed to, as Christians, be doing good to everyone. But then it says, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So here we are being urged again. Remember the household of faith. That there's, a, there's a special place in God's heart for his children. And as Christians, we are called to have that same heart have a special place in our heart for one another, for each other. 
And how does that happen? Well, Hebrews 10 gives us a, a clue into that. Hebrews 10:24 to 25 and says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We're called to, to stir each other up. How? By not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit of some. Apparently at that point, people stop meeting together. And so scripture reminds us, we need to be together. We need to be meeting together, not neglecting. Whether that's Sunday worship or or small groups, or whatever it might be, the joy group. We need to be meeting together so that we can stir each other up to love and good works. Encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so this passage is starting to point us towards what all of this is about. What is, what is family for? What is the purpose of family. Well, it has actually a very long-term focus. One of the best uh, definitions or uh, descriptions of the purpose of family that I have come across is from Timothy Keller. And he says this about the purpose of family. It is to go on a journey with others towards their future greatness. To go on a journey with others towards their potential to go on a journey with others towards their future glory. Now, isn't that a wonderful description of the purpose of family? That keeps in mind eternity. It keeps in mind that we are on a journey towards this greatness that we cannot fathom or imagine, and that we have been called to be together, to do this together to go towards what awaits us. If you think about the purpose of family over, over history, you know, the, the, the traditional societies, the purpose of the family was uh, status. Right? So whatever family you were a part of, it, it, it d- demonstrated to the society what your status was. And so you wanted to marry someone in such a way that you may even go up in status. That was the purpose of family. In our modern society, what is the purpose of family? I think it's you know, probably fairly diverse, but I think one of the big things is personal fulfillment. You know, finding that person who will fulfill you. Wow. Talk about setting yourself up for failure. But the Bible, the Bible has something far better in mind when it comes to family. The Bible tells us that it's about a journey. It's journeying together with others. Sometimes it's your biological family, and it's always about your church family. But you're journeying together with others towards your future greatness. You see, the Bible says that we need to think of family, when we think of family, that we need to think of the gospel. That the gospel and family go hand in hand because we're all made in the image of God. We are made for something great. You cannot be made in the image of God if you're not made for something great. But the problem, of course, is that we're all broken and we're in sin. We're just shadows of what we were made to be. And in the midst of all that, Jesus Christ looks down at us sees that we are just shadows of what we should be. He comes into our world 
and journeys with us. He lays himself out through sacrifice, comes into our lives now through the Holy Spirit, applies what he has done on the cross, and he goes on this journey with us to our future potential, where he will meet us and embrace us and love us. He goes on this journey to this greatness that God has made us for. And family is supposed to reenact that in your life. What Jesus Christ has already done for you, family is supposed to reenact that in your life. It is supposed to tell the gospel story all over again and be that means of grace. Family is one of the vehicles that is supposed to drive you to your destination. A destination made for you in Christ Jesus. And so gospel, or family, is gospel reenactment. Now this makes a lot of sense because it makes a lot of sense of, you know, messed up families. Because the gospel includes that, you know, that thing called sin and brokenness and, and, and so forth. And so if family is supposed to reenact the gospel, well, of course, there's going to be brokenness in it. And God's going to use that. Just as he used Jesus' brokenness on the cross to save each one of us. God is going to use the brokenness in your family to save you, them, who knows who. And so family is here. To journey with you towards that greatness that awaits. Family is here to journey with you to that future glory that awaits. Now, that's a wonderful thing. And I hope you're asking the question in your mind, maybe, you know, how, how does that happen? How are we going to go from where we are now to what God has intended for us? I got three points for you. Number one, Jesus has to be your brother, and God has to be your father. In order for this to happen, you have to know beyond a shadow of doubt that you have been born in Christ Jesus, that you are alive in Christ. God needs to have you. God needs to be able to mold you and shape you into whatever your future greatness is. And so you need to surrender to God and say, Lord, I am yours. Use me. Do with me as you would please. Come into my life. That's number one. Number two, we also need to be committed to one another just as much as Jesus is committed to us. Now think about that. Jesus was so committed to us that he was willing to die on a cross. And we need that same commitment within us. So what does that mean? Well, that means different things for different people. I don't know where you are. I don't know how committed you are to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ here. Maybe you're kind of you know, on, on the edge of life within this body, and I encourage you to, to find yourself within it. Maybe you're, you're, you're deep within it, but, but you see those who are on the edge. And maybe God is calling you to, to call out to them and invite them in. Maybe today, 
Maybe today God is calling you to invite someone back to your home. Say, hey, come on over. Let's get to know one another. May as well start now because we're going to be spending eternity together. Get to know as many people before you get there. I don't know what it is. But nevertheless, Jesus is calling us to be committed, as committed to one another as he is committed to you. And finally, what we need is we need to have, um, we need to let grace define us. Right? We need to let grace define us as a family, whether that's a biological family or the church family. Grace has to be at the core of what it means to be family. What does that mean? Well, think of a family that is functioning well and, and where the family members love coming together. And why is that? Because biological family is often the place where you can just be yourself, warts and all, and they'll still love and accept you. you know, it's a crazy thing. Like, you know, why do they do that? It doesn't make sense. Why? Because grace. Because God has instituted this strange structure where grace can happen. Where people can love each other even though we're broken. And we do terrible things sometimes. And grace, what the definition of grace is getting what you don't deserve. And in the best families, that's exactly what happens. You get what you don't deserve. They continue to welcome you into their home. They invite you for Christmas, even though they don't want to. (laughs) You know, that's grace. And that has to define us as a church, as a church family. A church family should be a place where where you can share your heart as ugly or as beautiful as that may be. And people will accept you and love you and care for you and encourage you and sometimes rebuke you, but lift you up to the throne of grace to receive that. That's what needs to define us as the body of Christ. And when that happens, you'll see that that is the best family Ever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for the gift of family. But Lord, we also pray that you be with those of us right now for whom there is this hardness in our heart because of the brokenness that there is. Lord Jesus, I pray now that by your grace and your spirit, that you would bring healing and restoration. That you would provide a way forward, a way through, a way up to your throne of grace. But Lord, again, we do praise you and bless you for both our biological families and and our church families. And we pray that you would continue to show us and instruct us and inspire us to be the family that you have called us to be, that you would call us on this journey together towards this future greatness that you have in store for each one of us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in his name we pray. Amen.